Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Book of Philippians, great book, a very uplifting book. I like to call it the redemptive lift here in Pentecost. Subject today is the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. The peace of God, it will. It will guard your heart and your mind. The Bible says, be anxious for absolutely nothing. Let me hear you say nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. The peace of God, it will guard your heart and your mind. Praise the Lord. Be anxious for absolutely nothing. Have no anxiety for anything in this world. I have been hearing the term anxiety for the last two and a half years almost every day. And through hearing people talk about it that struggle with it, hearing things in the news about it, reading this issue that has really plagued the entire world right now, this spirit of anxiety, I just simply would like to define it as spiritually. It is simply inner turmoil. It is inner chaos. It is inner conflict. And usually, feelings and thoughts are things that are about to happen, or more often, things that could possibly happen. Sometimes it comes to people who experience difficult experiences in their childhood, their teen years, or even their adulthood, and certain experiences mixed with the possibility of what could happen, it just simply triggers some type of anxiety. Our day and our time is no different than what they experienced back then in the early church. If anything, they had more to be anxious about. But as the word spoke back then, it still speaks to us today that there is a peace from God. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're facing, or what could possibly happen. You may not be able to control what is around you, but inside of your mind and your heart, if you get the peace of God... There can be, amen, the absence of conflict, the absence of chaos, and a peace that you can't even explain to people shall guard your heart and your mind. This Bible doesn't teach us, you don't have to have anxiety if you don't want to. It's optional. It's an extra blessing if you want to get rid of your anxiety. You'll know. Our Bible teaches us, don't be anxious over anything. 
Meaning it is a command from God to not have anxiety. Now, I'm not one of those preachers that says, you know, don't be so depressed. Try not to be as crazy. Be a little crazy. The people that say that, let me tell you, you're doing nothing for anybody at all. But our God did not leave us without information. He did not leave us without some understanding and some wisdom and knowledge to help us in these anxious times. But he gave us a list of things to do. And it has to do with what we say and how we think. And if you will do these things that the word of God mentions, you will have a peace, not of this earth, not of mankind, but a peace that directly comes from heaven. And you will have peace inside of your mind and your heart. Praise God. The peace of God is something you can't understand. It's difficult to even talk about. It's difficult to preach about. It's difficult to articulate. The Bible says that we read it is past understanding. And I think the real reason of this is not because you and I aren't smart. It's not because you and I don't have wisdom. But usually most things that come from heaven, mankind cannot understand. I don't think I'll ever fully understand the power of washing away sins in Jesus' name, baptism. I don't think I'll ever understand the power of redemption through the infilling of the Holy Ghost by the sign of speaking in other tongues. I can't understand and I can't explain sometimes how people walk up here with pain in their body and they walk out of here healed in Jesus' name. I can't understand it. You know what? I don't want to be able to understand it because if I can explain it, it's the works of man. But the more and more I scratch my head and think I can't explain it, but all I know is God did it. That's the sign we have something supernatural. And the peace that I'm talking about, when you get it and others compliment you on it and want to know how you get it, you're going to say, I don't know how it happened, but God said it was available and I did what was commanded of me. And even though death has been in my family, even though sickness has been in my family, even though chaos is in my family, it's not affecting my mind. It's not destroying my heart because I've got a peace from heaven that I cannot even explain. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about a guard from God. Jesus talked about guards in the book of Luke. He said that a strong man, a real strong man, fully armed, he guards his own palace and nothing is stolen. It's a force that's like a barrier between what you have and what trouble may come in, it is stopped. I thank God for everybody who is in law enforcement. And I thank God for everybody who is in security or surveillance, any type of guard that is out there. If you're here today, we love you. God bless you. Keep on doing what you do. We need you in the world today. I read a story not too long ago about a guard who was just simply on duty for a business complex. And he looked... About four or five blocks, there was just a young man walking home from school. In the news, it said he was in his school uniform in a prestigious type of school, just simply walking down the sidewalk after school. And the report said a car, a couple cars pulled up and out came. The news called them thugs. Bad men got out and began to assault this young student. This guard is standing there on the clock knowing he has to protect this property, 
this business complex and something that is above his pay grade. Something that is not in his job description, but he looked and saw a young man suffering and could have been beaten to death and lost all of his property. Something inside of that man said, I'm a guard first to all of mankind. And that man ran and took on nine violent men and drove them out. And that young man, his life was saved and his property wasn't stolen because somebody said, I'm not going to let somebody rob this man of his health and his well-being. The peace of God is like that. I thank God for all of these craft stores out there and all of these bookstores that do things to, you know, to promote devotional books and decor and things like that. But I think that the word peace has been watered down, especially nowadays, you know. I mean, we've got something on our door that says peace, and it's bright red and green and all sparkly, and it looks so beautiful and so nice and so delicate, right? You go into some of these stores, they make the Bible and Make things like peace, hope, and grace. Make it look so pretty and nice and so dainty and, you know, so, so non-aggressive, right? God has a totally different view of peace. He came to bring us peace. Not for you to have a nice decorated house this Christmas. Although there's nothing wrong with that. I love to drive by homes and see the Grinch and the abominable snowman and see Santa and all of that. I love all that. I get into that. God didn't send peace for you to wear a nice sweater to church. He didn't send peace, amen, for you to just have a nice this or that and the other on your bookshelf. But when God thought of peace, it was nothing beautiful to decorate with. You know what he saw? He saw the spirit of guardianship. He saw the spirit, amen, of something sticking up for somebody. Because you know what's out there and it happens this time of year. The devil would love to send anxiety your way and depression and fear to destroy you from believing God's promises. And God has said, "Uh uh-uh, I am setting up a 24-hour surveillance and a perimeter to guard the mind and the heart of my people. And it's called the peace of God, praise the Lord. Peace is not weak, but it is one of your greatest weapons to guard your mind and your heart. Yes, it is. It is God's way of keeping your mind whole and keeping your heart complete. You know, back in the 60s, a lot of people were not saying hello or what's up. They were just simply saying, peace, dude. Far out, man. You know, there's something to be said for that. The message simply was, end all war. Wouldn't that be nice? But the reality of the fact is that is never going to happen in this age and this time. But we know there is another level of peace that when Messiah returns, the promise is all war will end and there will be no conflict or chaos in the earth ever again. And that day is coming very, very soon and I want to be ready for that. Praise the Lord. But here in our day and time, There will always be war, and there will always be conflicts. The Bible says the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, not after the coming of the Lord, but closer to the coming of the Lord, that there will be wars happening. There will be famines happening. There will be pestilences. There will be conflicts between the nations. So many other horrible things. And the Bible says men's hearts will be failing them 
from the fear or the anxiety of the things that they are looking happening at the world. This peace that I'm talking about will not stop the chaos outside of your mind and heart. I cannot promise you when you go home today, you're going to have a peaceful home. I can't promise you you're going to have a peaceful neighborhood. I can't even promise peace unto this city as mankind is trying to declare. But I've come to tell you that there is a peace from God that even though there's fighting around you, there's loss around you, there's trouble around you, there is a peace that will not let that trouble get into your mind or your heart. But you will always have clarity inside of you. I remember going to Israel for the first time. And being greeted by the Israelis, shaking my hand, welcoming me into their country. They didn't give the traditional American, hello, what's up? How's it going? What's happening? Or like we like to say around here, God bless you, brother, right? Oh, no, you know what they said to me? Shalom, American. Welcome to Israel. And I like that word, shalom, shalom. I thought it meant hello. I thought it meant how you doing? I thought it meant good to see you, but after learning what it meant, I found out it meant something that I never thought it would mean, and it simply meant peace. And I thought, well, maybe they're just wishing no war in the world. Maybe they're wishing the absence of conflict all throughout the earth. But I quickly found out when they spoke that over me to greet me and to say goodbye to me, shalom, shalom, shalom. They say it to everybody, and you'll meet people like that, Jews and Israelis here today. That's what they say. They don't say, what's up or how are you doing? They always say, peace be unto you. You know what they are wishing upon you or blessing you with? That there would be no chaos or conflict inside of your mind or your heart. Because they know they can't speak away chaos on the outside. But what they understand is through God's great power, they can speak upon each other that even though our enemies are all around us and trouble is at the door, you and I can have chaos outside of our mind. You and I can have conflict outside of our mind, but there will always be a sense of wholeness and completeness inside of our minds and our hearts. That's the peace of God that will drive anxiety out of your mind and heart. And I've got a theory out there. The more peace we have on the inside of us, the more peace we're going to have on the outside of us. The Bible says the apostles, the disciples were in a boat. Jesus had told them, we're going to sail to the other side. And while they were sailing across the sea, all of a sudden a great storm came up out of nowhere. You know what was going on? The devil was trying to come against the word of Christ. Because Jesus told his disciples, we're going to get to the other side. And Satan, like he's done since the beginning, there at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he tried to make the disciples doubt the word of God through a storm. Try to make them believe that this great storm is going to stop them. And they were so fearful and afraid, they woke up the Lord. And that's something, he was asleep during that storm. That's the peace of God. You know how to sleep even during a storm. Hallelujah. Now, some of you all, a storm, it takes a storm to make you fall asleep. But for the rest of us, you'll be a little worried about something tearing up your house, rocking the boat. You know why Jesus was asleep? Because he knew no matter what storm comes the way, the disciples are going to get to the other side. And they woke him up, afraid, God, we're going to die. And he stood up and rebuked their unbelief. And he stood up and pointed to that storm. And he didn't say, I command you to stop. 
I command lightning to cease. I command these rain clouds to go away. You know what he did? He spoke peace over that storm. And immediately that storm stopped. That's the type of peace that can be inside of your mind and your heart. And you walk into your company tomorrow and everybody's worried about what is happening with the company. Perhaps it's about to go under your peace. Amen. Can bring a calm to your boss and your co-workers. Amen. And restore that company. Peace is a weapon. The Bible even says in Ephesians that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I believe in the power of the name. I believe in the power of the blood. I believe in the power of the word, but you've got to understand this. There's another weapon that you may be missing inside of your life, and it's the power of God's peace. Satan can't fight it because he doesn't have it. He can't fight it because he doesn't know it. But if you learn to get a hold of God's peace in your mind and your heart, it'll guard you even from the devil himself. Hallelujah. I hear people all the time wanting happiness. They're just pursuing something to make them happy, 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 happy. You know, there's only one place in the Bible where it mentions the word happy. You know who said it? The man who wrote the book of Philippians. While he is shackled and chained up, standing before a governor because it was unlawful and illegal in that time to preach the message of Christ, he looks at that Roman governor and you know what he says? I think myself happy. My thoughts that I'm just concocting in my brain have made me, oh, so happy. You know, back during the lockdown, I kind of had a uh, come-to-Jesus meeting with myself. During that lockdown, I was sitting there pumping gas into my car. Some of you have seen that meme that I used to call so silly. It said, I can't even pump gas in my car without Jesus. I'm sitting there pumping my gas during the lockdown, worried about what might happen. And I remember tearing up. Even my shoulders were bouncing. I was crying so hard. And I said, God, I truly can't pump gas in my car without you. And I would come home. We were so worried about what might happen to the church, what might happen to the city, this country, our world. And I would come home and my kids, all they would want to do is laugh and play. And I'm like, kids, it's almost the end of the world. Is this really a time? To laugh and play. And I just got the revelation. Happiness is for kids. For the rest of us, happiness is simply an emotion that comes up through momentous experiences. It's an emotion like anything. You're not always sad, but things that happen make you sad. You're not always mad. But things come up that make you mad. And you can't always be happy until something comes up to make you, oh, so happy. My friend, peace is not that way. You always have that calm. You always have that wholeness from God and that completeness where your heart is not fragmented and your mind is not troubled but you walk in the complete confidence of God through this world, knowing that this world is not your home. You're simply passing through, but your eternal reward is up in heaven. That's the peace of God. Praise the Lord. I remember when I was a waiter at a restaurant before the ministry, 
had to wear all white, and they may or may not be a factory known for cheesecakes. And, and I was a part of the opening staff at the one in St. Louis. And let me tell you, those opening, those first few months, people would wait for three or four hours for a table. And uh, when they would sit down after three or four hours, hungry as can be, I think that's when the term hangry began back there at that place. Some of the most frustrated people waiting three or four hours for a plate of food and a slice of pie. And I was amazed a lot of those people would sit down and their menu there at that restaurant, it's practically as big as the Bible. And people would sit down and be like, I don't know what I want. I'm starving. What do I want? And I would say, well, I like this. I don't like that. What else you got? Well, we got this. I don't like that. And after about 10 or 12 things, I'm like, sir, I guess you and I have different taste buds. Why don't you just go like this and whatever your finger lands on, get it. It's going to be good. But I learned a trick for the people that came in really grouchy. Instead of waiting for dessert last, I offered dessert first. (laughs) I told them, you know, we're busy. It's probably going to take about 30 or 40 minutes to get your food anyway. How about starting out with an appetizer of a slice of chocolate cheesecake? And whoo, yeah, right. I remember one couple came in, a guy and a girl, and they sat in the booth. And uh, they ordered their dinner. I brought it out to them, set it down. After about two or three minutes came by, I came back to check on them. When I came by, instead of them enjoying their delicious food and having a good time, the lady was sobbing, crying so much that the man, her date, had scooted up into that little booth and had his arm around her and was trying to comfort her like this and telling her, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I thought, better sit this one out. I came by about five minutes later and still the same thing, just sobbing there in that restaurant. He's got his arm around her. This went on for about 25 minutes, and I came by and said, is everything okay? And he looks at me and he goes, we're okay. Get away, I'm handling this. I said, absolutely, yes, sir. After about 45 minutes, I came up with a little menu in my pocket, and we had just rolled out that beautiful Godiva chocolate cheesecake. Big old picture of it on the menu. And I walked up and I said, your food is getting cold. Would you like me to box it up? And he looked at me, enraged that I would even bother him. He's trying to handle a situation. And I took out that menu with that piece of cheesecake and I put it right in front of her. And she said, I will have that right now. I'm not making this up. I boxed up the food. I brought it out and that slice of cheesecake, and before he left, he got down on one knee and put a ring on their finger, and they walked out of there engaged. (laughs) There used to be one of my sayings there at that restaurant. People come in, I'm here to make you happy. I'm here to make you happy. And sometimes they would laugh. Sometimes they would doubt. But by the time you had an experience as Justin as your waiter, you left happy. I'd see families coming in, arguing, but by the time they sat down, had something to eat, something to drink, they would be happy and then walk out and start fighting again. Desserts, good news, pleasures of this life can make you happy, but only for a moment. Some of us in here have been wanting God to make us happy. You know what God is saying about the only way that you can get happy is through fun experiences maybe that you create for yourself or thinking happy thoughts like Paul. 
God can't do that. He could, but he doesn't. Because he's after something more powerful, and that is peace. Because let me tell you, this happiness will not guard your mind. Happiness will not guard your heart from anxiety. But there is a greater weapon, a greater security system for your mind and your heart. And that is the peace of Almighty God. So how do you get it? It's how you pray. And it is how you think. To be anxious for nothing, you've got to do something. It's not just simply you ask for it and God gives it. Oh no, you got to do something. You got to do something to experience repentance. You've got to do something to experience baptism. You got to do something to receive the Holy Spirit. You got to do something to have healing and miracles. And there is something that you have got to do to take on the peace of God from heaven and to have it guard your mind and your heart. First thing you need to do is you need to pray. Not just at church, not just before you eat, but every single day. Set aside some time to simply talk to the Lord. Have a conversation with him from your heart. Tell him how much you love him, how much he means to you. How amazing he is. You need to bring into your prayers supplication. Some of us, this comes very natural. Some of us, we have to force ourselves into doing this. But it is simply earnestly, dare I even say, begging God to ask him to meet your needs. Not just simply saying, Lord, I hope you will, if you might, but oh no, coming to him believing that he can And that he will hear you pour out your heart unto him as you earnestly supplicate before him. Hallelujah. Tell you what, you get anxious enough, you've got no problem doing that when you're up against something. You need to offer the prayers of thanksgiving unto the Lord. This past Thanksgiving, we ate good, we played some games, we had a whole lot of fun. But I got a revelation of thanksgiving this past Thanksgiving a few weeks ago. I realized that those who celebrated it hundreds of years ago... For them, what they were doing was celebrating a good and bountiful harvest that God had given to them. But it was more so about being able to experience something good with themselves and their family and their neighbors going into winter. Because in that time, there's no heating. There's no technology. There's not a whole lot of medicine. But going into the winter did not mean having a good time and having fun. But oh no, winter meant survival mode. You're at the risk of running out of food. You're at the risk of running out of firewood. You're at the risk of disease and, yes, even death. And it was opportunity to celebrate a good moment and a good season for what we are about to go into. And that is what the presence of God needs to come like, become like to you. Knowing that outside of my prayer time, I'm facing darkness every day. I'm facing the prince and power of this air. But while I am in the presence of God with the prince of peace, I'm thankful for what I have right here and right now. And I'm going to take it into this dark world, praise the Lord. All that is thanksgiving, praise God. Fourthly, make your request known unto God. You know, Jesus taught us, the Lord already knows what you have need of. But he said, pray in a way as if God knows nothing at all. Explain to him the facts. Explain to him how it's making you feel and request the Lord, amen, to help you with these things. 
You pray to him every day. And in that prayer, you offer words of supplication to him. You then turn it into thanksgiving. And then you make your requests known unto God. And all of a sudden, the troubles and trials that you are facing in this life or what you may think could possibly happen, something is going to invade your prayer time. It's the word of God that's going to say, no matter what happens, I love you, I've got you, and it's all going to work out for your good. Praise the Lord. I thank God for every person in here that's made it a habit, that it's made it a custom, made it a part of your life to pray every day. But for some of us, I've prayed with some of you. You know what it is? A lot of, oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. It's amazing how people can pray, oh, God, for 45 minutes. That is not going to do anything for your anxiety. It's not going to do anything to attract the peace of God. But you want to get something from God, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do. But start praying to God from the depths of your heart and the top of your mind. What's really on your mind and what's really going on in your life. And the peace of God will come in your prayers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anxiety is about to leave your mind and your heart today in just a moment. Hallelujah. After you pray, the Bible in our passage we read in Philippians, it said you need to meditate. I know for some of us that may have come out of pagan religions, that's a word that you are afraid of. Let me tell you this, God invented the real thing and then Satan polluted a counterfeit of it. Meditation is original with us. The pagans and the heathen meditate to clear their mind. For us, it is to fill our mind with God. It's to fill our mind with his goodness. You know what I think happened when this was invented? Men and women worked from sunup to sundown, always moving, always going. For most of us, we sit up out of a nice bed, walk maybe 20 steps and sit down in a chair, have a nice breakfast with a cup of coffee, walk maybe 30 steps to a car, drive a car 30 minutes to work sitting down, walk maybe 300 steps to a desk and sit down for eight hours and then repeat it over and over and over again. (laughs) Always sitting, that's our world. But in the old days, not a whole lot of sitting. And so to counteract that, they would sit down and just simply think, doing absolutely nothing because our mind is always going. You have to use your mind to work. You have to use your mind to go. You have to use your mind to take care of your family. You have to use your mind to protect your land. You have to use your mind and your hands and do all of these things. But it was a way to simply only use your mind without having to take action with your body. And when they would sit down and do these things, it was a way to take a break from the chaos. Now, for some of us that sit all day, maybe sitting may not be your best meditation. Maybe it might be a little walk with God. For some of you, even dare I say, getting on that treadmill. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I had a brother in the church was so excited about his new workout plan going into Christmas, he texted me a picture of the gym he was at last night. But wherever it may be, I take my meditation after my prayer time and after I've read the Bible to just simply think. Simply think. If you were to do that today, what would come into your mind right now? If you were to stop it all, what would come into your mind? For some of us, it would be the bills we have to pay. 
For some of us, it would be the conflict maybe that's happening with a neighbor or something going on in your family or something going on in your health. Our minds and our hearts typically tend to be bombarded with the things that worry us and the things that trouble us. And if we are not careful inside of our mind, we can make it worse than what it really is. That is why when we meditate on the word and just simply think, and it only takes about three to five minutes to really do it, the number one thing that we think of is what is true. The truth will make you free, church. Reality will help you to have a sound mind. Test what you are thinking. Is it true? If it's not true, get it out of your mind. Whatever you're thinking about, test it and ask yourself, is what is on my mind and my heart? Is it noble? Is it noble? Meaning, is what is on my mind, is it a higher way of life? Is what is on my mind, is it something that is lifting me to excellence? If it is, keep it in the mind. If it's not, get it out. Number three, only think about things that are just. If this is something that is right and something that is fair, think about it. If it's not, get it out of the mind, get it out of your heart, get it out of your feelings. Fourthly, is this thing pure? Meaning, something that is mixed with something else, don't think it. Is there something foreign in this thought? Something else has intermingled itself with it. Get it out of your mind, meaning something that has a singleness of purpose, something that is pure. Think about these things. Fifthly, is it lovely? Meaning, is it something so beautiful? If it's not, if it's ugly, it's hideous. If it is destructive, do not think about it. Is it something, number six, of a good report? Meaning, something that is right standing, something that has dignity, something that has a good name something that men and women respect, a good report, think about it. Number seven, does it have virtue? Meaning, does it have high standards? Is it something virtuous? And then number eight, praiseworthy, meaning anything that is worthy of admiration. Test your thoughts with these things. Does my thought and what I am thinking about constantly in my car, on my walks, when I work, when I'm with my family, when I wake up in the morning, when I go down to bed, is this thought true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Does it have a good report? Does it have virtue? And is it praiseworthy? And when you begin to consciously make an effort in doing these things, the peace of God will flood your mind and your heart, casting out your anxieties. If you will learn to pray, as the Bible commanded us to pray, and you will learn to think on how you are supposed to think, You will attract the greatest weapon of heaven for your mind and your heart, and that is his peace and will drive the anxiety out of your life. Praise God. Can we all raise our hands right now? I feel like a revelation just came to somebody right here right now. The word of God has ministered to you this morning. The scripture has gripped you right now. And you've been wondering about these holidays and you're dreading them because of how holidays have been in the past. I can't promise you good holidays, but what I can promise you is if you're hungry for the peace of God today to keep your mind and your heart from anxiety and worry and turmoil inside, I've come to tell you it's yours. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Could we all stand today and the musicians please come? It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Number one, because it's spiritual. And number two, because it will guard you and protect you from things that you aren't even aware of. We've got a great security team here at this church, led by Brother Burgess, great men and women who take great care of us. I'm amazed sometimes after service or during the week to hear about a situation that might have happened out in the hall. And I'm like, I didn't even know that happened. You know why? Security kept me from knowing that it happened. That's what they do. And that's what the peace of God wants to do for you. To protect you from things that you didn't even know what happened. You didn't even know what the enemy had planned. You didn't even know what life was about to throw your way. But as a almighty guard, the peace of God protected your mind and protected your heart. God wants today to chase away the storm in your life with some peace. He wants to make peace, amen, that comes like a flowing mighty river and guards you in the way of life. I've come to tell you that if you will get the peace of God in your mind and your heart, you'll get it in your home. You'll get it in your family. You'll get it in your place of work. The rest of this service is for anybody, amen, who wants God's peace in their mind. I can't tell you that once you get it to, once you get it today, you'll get it forever. Oh, no, you've got to pray for it every day. You've got to meditate for it every day. But if you will do these things, amen, you will become invincible to anxiety. You will become invincible to turmoil. You will become invincible. You will become a force, a strong, strong mind and heart that will protect you from damaging, hurtful things. It will protect you from thoughts of self-harm will protect you, amen, from quitting and giving up the peace of God. You know what will happen? You'll start thinking like Jesus Christ. The peace of God will help you to begin to feel like Jesus Christ. He preached his first sermon in his hometown. They wanted to throw him over the cliff. You know what the Bible says? He just walked away and kept on preaching to the next town. While he was up on that cross, while other thieves and other people crucified, cursing those soldiers. You know what? Jesus is up there praying, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. That is the peace of God. It'll keep your mind during hard times. It'll make your heart whole during trials in this life. If you will simply learn to pray and supplicate and offer thanksgiving unto God and make your requests known unto him, And test your thoughts, whether it be true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report and of virtue and praiseworthy, you will have the peace of God. I invite everyone right now that wants the peace of God in their mind to join me here at this altar and just pour out your heart unto him right now. Let those tears and those words flow. Confess to the Lord all your worries. Men, I know the ladies naturally know how to do this. It's one of God's gifts. It can be troubling for us sometimes. But men, when's the last time you told God what you were worried about? When's the last time you opened up and confessed all your fears unto the Lord? When is the last time, amen, you let your grievances out in the presence of God? When is the last time you just called out to the Lord and said, God, I can't guard my mind and my heart on my own? I know some of you are strong men. You know combat. You know how to protect yourself. 
But they tell you no martial art will protect your mind and your heart in this hour. No defense or security system will protect your mind and your heart like the peace of God. And if you want to become armed with it, I invite you, amen, to call out to the Lord for it right now. Come on, let your prayers come out. Come on, let your prayers come out. Don't stand silent today in the presence of the Lord, but pray to Him. Supplicate to Him. Don't worry about what anybody thinks around you. Go and let it out. It's the church anyway. It's a place we're not afraid of a spill or a mess. Hallelujah. God is here to clean it up. Hallelujah. Don't worry. God doesn't expect it to be beautiful. He doesn't expect it to be perfect. He just expects it to be honest. Hallelujah. Some of you judge your thoughts right now. If it ain't true, get it out. If it's not noble, get it out right now. If it's not pure, get it out right now. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, the peace of God has flooded this altar right now. And it's looking for anybody that obey his word. Amen. Hallelujah to get it. I come against your anxiety right now in the name of Jesus. Your anxiety is about to be crushed by the peace of God. Hallelujah. Don't be anxious about anything in this day and this hour. Hallelujah. But let the peace of God be your strength. Let the peace of God be your strength this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're around somebody, you feel that the Lord's burning in your heart to pray for them. Amen. Man to man, woman to woman. Amen. Pray for them. Hallelujah. Intercede for them. Get in the gap right now between them and the problem. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.